my friends were very surprised at first. Like, I'm friends with a famous person. <laughs> oh my God, this is it's a really big leap when you want to tell your friends that it's you have an international business that's making a lot of money. Um, you have friends that are asking you if you can have money or be a part of your business so they can make money as well. They want to ask you if they can travel with you or whatever. My friends talk about it a lot. Creativity and entrepreneurship are arguably often associated with youth. But running an international consumer products business at the tender age of 12? It's definitely an outlier, but certainly not an impossibility. Meet Gabby and her mother, Rosalyn. They turned a personal frustration into a clever invention. Since then, they have successfully nurtured their startup into a business that sells across the U.S. and abroad. Whether you're a young and hungry professional or a seasoned veteran with a youthful heart, you'll find our time with Gabby and Rosalyn moving and inspiring. This is Of Note, a podcast on innovation. I'm Laura Quarter, Managing Director of South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. And I'm Joseph Nother, co-founder of Design Sensory and Pop Fizz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on invention, funding, entrepreneurship, growth, and so much more. So my name is Gabrielle Goodwin, and I'm 12 years old. I'm the president, CEO, and creator of Gabby Bows. I am Rosalind Goodwin. I don't have a title outside of mommy slash inventor. So I met um, Miss Gabby, you know, five, six years ago. Just this little girl had come into the technology incubator in Columbia. They were in the early, early days of just trying to navigate what is now Gabby Bowes. Uh, but she was standing all, all quiet kind of behind her mom as, as Rosalind was kind of going through some, some ideas with, with myself and a few other team members and kind of here we are today. Can you believe that there's just this vibrant Gabby? That you were probably quite taken aback by that. That is not probably the stereotypical young entrepreneur that comes through your doors. I'd even say her age alone is not the norm that I'd see walking through my those doors. Um, but at the same time, you know, those innovators, that's probably what I loved about my time in the technology incubator was just the randomness of what it was. You know, we always had kind of a very much an open door policy with anybody that was just ex exploring wanting to start a business, whether or not they were right for the program or not, didn't really matter. Uh, we, we'd try and point them in the right direction. And, and so, you know, yes, that was definitely an out of out of the norm. But at the same time, that building was kind of about out of being out of the norm. Right. So, I mean, in some ways you were you were kind of like, OK, this this is this is might be surprising, but I welcome a surprise and I'm supposed to be open minded. So here we go. And now the delight of the surprise we have with Gabby Bose. That's right. Which is awesome. She is a true young entrepreneur that is ahead of her time. So Gabby Bose are barrettes that have two faces, so you can see the design both ways. And they also have teeth and craters to trap the hair. So you wrap the hair around the center strip, then snap one and close, and snap the other and close, and it doesn't come out. 
It all began one day where my mom was really frustrated and she started ranching on Twitter. I would spend 20, 30 minutes laboring over styling Gabrielle's hair, put barrettes at the end of her pigtails, and I'd get pictures during the day from her preschool teacher with her hair all out like this. Like I didn't do anything to her hair that morning. I was going to buy bows to replace the barrette she was missing every two weeks. So I was, had gone to my bi-weekly trip to the beauty supply store to buy more barrettes because she had lost you know, half of the barrettes that week and got home and was just trying to sort them by color. I mean, I bought, every time I'd go, I'd buy you know, 30, 40 bows at a time, just trying to sort them by color. And I realized some of them didn't have a clasp on them to close without any hair in them. <laughs> so I, I just got frustrated and just started complaining about barrettes that wouldn't stay in her hair and you know, asked moms had they found some that would. Uh, and then some of them just started talking about all of the tricks that they do, tying rubber bands around them so they stay in. Or um, some people just said, we stopped using them altogether because they don't stay in. Uh, so that was the rant. And of course, our, our pastor jumped in and <laughs> in this conversation with a bunch of moms who were complaining throughout the idea about breaking into a market. I was not trying to break into anything. <laughs> I had a lot of stuff going on in my life. And uh, it took a couple of, probably about a week or two later, I was styling her hair, but I couldn't get that conversation out of my head. So I was really styling her hair and mumbling under my breath that somebody needs to fix this problem. So Gabby heard me, jumped out of the seat and said, mommy, are we gonna make a bow? And I really didn't know how to respond to her. So I said something to kind of brush her off. And I thought that was the end of the conversation. But the first thing she said when she got home that day and every day after that was, mommy, when are we gonna make my bow? This mother daughter duo decided to do something about it. And they approached it in a unique way as a science project. But just to understand how they wanted to solve the problem, took a long time. The process of coming up with the idea, and even before we started to implement and try to go into product development, it took us two years. And we were doing all of this work and working on the science project while Gabrielle was in school. Uh, her younger brother was two and nocturnal, not sleeping at night. And also while I was working full-time in my day profession still in health administration and policy. Started when she was five, and we basically committed to sitting down at the kitchen table, looking at our existing barrettes that we had, going to buy other barrettes, and at the level and age of her comprehension, I'd say, well, this one works a little better than the other one. And I'd send her to school, and if any, you know, any of them came back, <laughs> we said, okay, well, that one stayed a little better. Why did this one work versus the other one? At five years old, she was able to say, well, you know, mommy, these have these spiky things on them, like teeth. Maybe that's why they're staying in. So we just kind of make notes. Okay, so teeth are important. My mother had, has always had a huge pet peeve. So if you, you understand or are familiar with classic barrettes, plastic barrettes, they usually just have one face, just one ornament, one design. So if it's at the end of a pigtail, it can twist or it can turn and you just see the back of it and you just see the strip. My mother hated that. <laughs> she hated that so much that if I, we were around her and Gabrielle's bows would turn and you would just see the back, she'd retwist it to be like, you gotta make sure you're still showing the design. And I was like, 
mom, that's like impossible. There's one side, like our hair is going to flip and you're going to see the back of it. So then one of the first things we said, okay, we're going to come up with an idea because that's all we were trying to come up with was an idea to sell to an existing company. You got to be able to always see the design. So that's where the two faces came from. And then from there, it was like, how do we make it stay in the hair? So that the teeth, the craters, uh, the wraparound method with the center strip, all of that came from just sitting down and observing different barrettes that were on the market and, and coming up with a way that, to solve the problem of disappearing hair barrettes. As with many other inventors, Gabby and Rosalind needed to make their idea tangible so it could be shared and pitched. The idea of the design came and neither one of us could draw. We paid an artist who goes to church with us. I basically sat down with him and said, okay, this is what we're thinking. Try to translate it from my head to his piece of paper. And he was able to draw a 3D image of the idea. We were trying to sell it to a major company and they were like, we are deciding that we do not think that this barrette is the right fit for this company. The company said, we're not interested in buying it. My mom was like, I want to show my daughter that you can do anything. And she was like persistent, like I was with the um, major company. She was like, can you just help me make one bow? And they were like, I don't think you know how much that costs, what you have to do to be able to just make one bow. We could not just make one bow. It was like 500. From there, we were introduced to our engineers and also our manufacturers we still use today. And just that process, we were able to develop the business. Laura, when she came in and they started to talk to you about their idea, uh, did you, I mean, did, did, it, did it occur to you at that point to, because it's very simple. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's solving a very simple problem, keeping hair set a certain way. Um, I mean, I know how that is just because I love to, you know, use my sunglasses as my hair glasses and keep, keep it back there. But, uh, you know, when, when, when Gabby and Rosalind came in um, and started talking to you about their idea, it, 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 it looked, it, it's a very elegant solution to a very simple problem. Mm -hmm. um, did, did they give you any indication how the aha moment came to them? Like, Yeah, so this is, I, I love these stories because it's always something really random from every entrepreneur. It seems like how they finally stumble upon that aha, that light bulb, however you want to describe it moment. You know, for Rosalind, it was frustration, completely bred out of frustration and just turned to social media to say, what is the solution to this? And then to find that she was one of many that had this problem. And so that's when it's just, oh, okay, well maybe maybe we can solve this. I actually had a very similar experience as a kid with my mom um, with a science fair project turned possible uh, business, but we never actually turned it into one. Uh, so uh, to this day, I'm, I'm can't see me, but I'm fairly fair skinned um, and that's okay. I own it. Um, but as a kid, that was a miserable experience, especially anything that was outside and at the beach. Uh, I'm so pale. My mother belovingly called me roadmap because you could basically see all of my blue veins all over my body, uh, which meant going to the beach required a lot of sunscreen and layers of clothing. And of course, one of my one of our day trips of getting lacquered on and, and all of the layers. I just looked at my mom one day of just, can we not just put it on my clothes and not on me? Uh, so I think I was 11 or, or so at this, at this point. And yes, I needed uh, a science fair project and kind of uh, came this concept of, hmm, 
can we can we somehow put a, a solution together of, of bathing clothes in um in, in sunscreen and so that's essentially what we did in our kitchen sink uh we had a dslr camera where we could measure how much light was coming through something so the at one end of a plastic box was this camera and at the other was a light source and in between that was one layer uh, of a white t-shirt uh, one that we'd obviously washed in a solution with sunscreen and one that we hadn't and as you can predict it worked uh, and of course, you know, I, I went on with my science fair and that was pretty much it. But uh, my mom, out of curiosity, we saw, uh, she did some digging. She found a product on the market like six months later that did the exact same thing. So it just goes to show that the, the science fair projects are really more than just experimenting with the, the scientific method. You're going through a discovery process and that's exactly what Gabby and her mom have been doing over the past few years. This podcast is part of Scribble, South Carolina's voice of innovation. We celebrate and support the innovative activity across the state by connecting people to people. Visit ScribbleSC.com for exclusive interviews, tools, and resources. That's ScribbleSC.com. We talked with the manufacturers, engineers, the business launched February 7th, 2014. We only had three colors, one design at the time. Oh, now at this moment, we have three colors and three designs. So to see that growth is pretty amazing. Right now, we are working on hair products, like the hair products for the hair. And we are going to launch that late April. Um, we are in the process of um, figuring out what products we want to use for this round. We're starting with probably three products, then expanding to more and more. And it's pretty exciting because we're able to center our business around hair, around girl empowerment, around confidence. Be able to rock your hair is one of the most important things about confidence. Just before they launched, they decided to make a commercial. And that had more impact than they had anticipated. Uh, we had made a commercial, like probably two weeks before, just to share on social media with our friends and family, because my mom was still persistent on making sure that we would sell this product to that company. So I still thought after we got some traction, I'd go back to that company and ask them to sell it. I was not, I really wasn't trying to start a business. <laughs> We posted it on social media in about probably 24 hours. We got about 1,000 views. And it wasn't just our family and friends. The first order was somebody all the way from California. We were like, we're actually a real business. Um, now we couldn't really go back to the company because we were actually selling actually across the country. And that was pretty monumental for me because at this moment we have been in business for five years. And to see me from seven years old, shy and timid, and for me to be able to go to the 12-year-old and to see my confidence growing is pretty cool. They originally made the website to protect their idea, but they soon moved on to the patent and trademarking process. We first had got a provisional patent. It covers your business for about a year. You pay it yourself and you're just able to keep your business protected as long as you are in the process of getting a design, utility and all the other patents that you need to be able to be fully protected. We applied for the design patent. The 
tool that we have, which is the design and the utility, it's probably about a few thousands. So it took a lot of money, but it's, it's worth it because then you're able to protect your business. And then we got our utility patent. We went through a lot of years without actually having that patent. We applied probably 2016 and got it 2018, like late 2018. It protects how your idea works and how it's made as well. So that one's the big one, but we finally got it. And it was really, um, it was really a big moment for me because we were like, we're fully patented. We're able to not have other people steal our idea. We're able to flourish and be more successful with this business. Work-life balance looks a lot different when you're still in grade school and run the family business. Well, we've definitely had a better bond with this business. My mom, as she said, she is a healthcare lobbyist. So she is traveling all around the state, always at the state house. And then my dad, he is a comedian. So he is always traveling. And we really didn't have as much time together as we do now. And when I was little, three, four, five years old, he was working, my mom was working, and we barely could have time to bond together. But then now my mom, as my manager, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> we're able to spend more time together, travel together, talk about business, talk about life, just because of this business. And it's helped me be able to know that family is really important when it comes to big, huge, successful things. And we're able to, um, work on speeches together. My dad's a comedian, so he's always on stage. We, we are always talking about how I can improve in my public speaking. And then we're also writing notes or writing letters together or filling orders together, packing parties for major stores or major retailers. And my brother as well, he is, was really inspired by me. And he was always like, my idea, my business, my invention is going to be metals or it was it was a very 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 long talk for a few years about what he wanted to do and for him to be able to know how to do business now he's able to have his home business which he does books and art so he is grown tremendously as well and just to see my family be this family that's not an ordinary family at all <laughs> is pretty pretty cool because we're able to balance different things and still be able to be together. My typical week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I have dance. I dance three and a half hours a week. And so I wake up, do whatever I need to do in the mornings, get ready for school. I get out of school about 3.25, then get home. If I have dance, I immediately have to go get dressed, rush back out. As soon as I come back home, I'm able to do my schoolwork or be able to do something that's really important, just be able to finish my tasks before um, my mom gets home so then we can be able to focus on the business, focus on what I need to do, if I need to practice something. And I'm really just trying to be more involved in the business because I'm growing and I'm maturing and I have to be more responsible for things. And it's really helping me because I'm able to use time management, 
and I'm able to boost my confidence. I'm able to do all these types of things that help me, that will help me in the real world as well when I turn 18 and go and be an adult. <laughs> I've always said that I want to run the business with my daughter if I have one like my mom did with me. And also I'm a dancer, so I may want to incorporate that in some way. But um, I like to, I love to dance. So it's really a big part of my life and I would like to carry that on as well. Seeing Gabby and her mother uh, talk about how, you know, as the, as the business blossomed, so did the relationship. It's not like they had any issues or anything like that, but the fact that they really found this again, that, that harmonious sort of integration, I suppose, between uh, school, work, play, time together, um, you know, sort of brought me back actually to, to, to my roots. My, I, I got the entrepreneurial bug from my dad. And so uh, as long as I can remember, he, he was, I was always somehow in, in, uh, interwoven into the work that he was doing. I would, I can remember when I was 11 or 12 coming out to, he, he was in, in industry, industrial metal finishing. And so I'd come out to the plant and learn some things like that. I learned how to drive on a, on a forklift and uh, among other things. And then later on, just, just sort of really, we would spend time, our, our quality time would be talking about his business or what's working, what's not, what the challenges are and things like that. And so I sort of looked at them and thought, and you know, that's, that's a really cool thing that they've got going. Um, she probably cemented it even more so when she talked about how as, you know, as she, as she grows older um, and potentially starts her own family, how she wanted to bring that generation in as well. And I just, it's, it's just such an, it's such an awesome thing to see. I think sometimes people think that family and business is not the norm and that if you try that, it's certainly not successful. I do think that we've interviewed quite a few people, hmm. you know, as part of this, where they're working with their husband or wife or spouse or their, or, or partner, they're working with, um, you know, several founders, um, and there's some family significance or their brothers in the case of one large company who we interview. Um, and, and so I just think it's, it's an awesome thing. Do you run across this Laura? I mean, it seems like a lot of people make family work really, really well in business. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these stories are unveiling that the, the genesis of the idea comes from a personal problem of some kind. And who else are you going to take that personal problem to that who you hold closest? Your family. So, um, so yeah, they're, they're typically that initial sounding board a lot of times for, you know, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Is this even viable? Like, what? Is this crazy? Uh, so, They'll tell you so, what so they think. yeah, right. So, so formal yeah. or not, family is an integral part of any entrepreneur or any innovation activity. Family is sometimes where it starts one way or the other. And, you know, I think the other thing that's really, really uh, amazing about this is that, you know, uh, you obviously hats off to, to a really uh, involved and caring mother in Rosalind, but that Gabby's the one who reminds her mom in the early days to persist. And she's someone kind of even driving her just sort of be like, hey, what if, what if, you know, we don't, don't, I don't care what they said, just try it anyway, right? And it's, it's, that it's the energy that comes that, yeah, that childlike that we always kind of reference of needing to play or needing to iterate on. Um, that she's she's encouraging her mom to keep let's keep going like we can find the solution to this so i would just say to keep going no matter what always persevere um, my former elementary school teacher our principal he said believe so you can grow and soar 
And I also have a quote that says, no, it's just an abbreviation for next opportunity. So after every no, or after every 10 no's, you're still gonna get a simple or a big yes. It can change your life forever. Typical advice I give people who have an idea or a project in mind. A lot of times people get stuck on just trying to figure out what the blueprint is, what steps one, two, or three is. <laughs> I've learned through this process that I may just know step one, but don't let that stop you from advancing to step one. Once you get to step one, things will be revealed for step two. You'll meet someone for step three. That person at step three will help you figure out who you need to talk to for step four. So I think people get stuck when they're talking about innovation or ideas because they won't even take the step. The fear of not knowing what step two is, that fear immobilizes them that they never move on those ideas. I think Miles Monroe said the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Because people die with ideas. They die with solutions. They die with books inside of them. And we're just determined as a family, my husband and I, to make sure that we pour ourselves and we and our children do the same. You know, they, they reached certain stages, made good decisions and sort of just moved on. There wasn't really a plan there. Um, and, and, you know, sort of talking about like no blueprint. I mean, do, do you believe that, you know, sh 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 if, if you're an entrepreneur or have an idea, like, do I need to start with a business plan? I would say no. You're going to waste a lot of time there. Um, and any more, what, what's become a more popular way to kind of, you know, sort through all those thoughts and all the feedback you're starting to get is through something called a lean business canvas model. There are a lot of books out there and classes are actually now emerging to, to focus on this. Because here's the thing, you know, your idea only matters to you until it only has viability to you. But once you start really testing that amongst your customers or other people, that's a lot of conflicting information you're getting on, on an ongoing basis. So what do you, how do you deal with all mm -hmm. of that? And so that's what these lean business canvas models are designed to do is all uh, product development based on customer discovery is a good way to kind of round it out. So, and these evolve, you know, obviously as you're getting different feedback, it's going to change. And so this these format, this format has a way to be that flexible to where you're not so stuck within a specific blueprint necessarily. You let the market kind of demand which direction you go. It's visual too. For Very much. Yeah. yeah. So you, I mean, I encourage Google it. The, the images of this thing come up and there's all kinds of resources out there of how to utilize these. A lot of accelerators, this is how they kind of... Um, run their their programs around is is a is a lean business canvas start, startup model all right so so it sounds like this 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 you know it sounds like the business canvas model is actually a great uh kind of precursory exercise to formalizing it later on how you approach the business yeah i would say once you kind of have that concrete idea of what you think you're really going to run with now now you're ready for if you if, if you feel like you need it that blue that that blueprint or that that um, business plan that is more traditional to go down, but don't start there. It's too hard. You don't know enough yet to even have a. It's, it's comical to think that you know enough to right. put a plan together for the next three to five years. Yeah, you finish it and then already obsolete. Correct. Right. But then at the same time, once you have that that business plan and, and for whatever reason you've put it together, still keep that business canvas model sitting off to the side because, as we've already talked about a lot in this these podcasts is. You're going to have to keep innovating. And that's what these allow is let's go back and visit this. Are we still solving the same problem with our customer? How can we better do it? Things like that. So it seems like a, the, 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 the business canvas also allows you to, to, to talk about the idea in a pretty informed way, but, but still informal enough to where it's not taking so long. And 
it's wrong uh, the minute you finish it, right? And they're a tool to help you kind of visualize and think through your own mind. What do I do with all this information? One of my favorite and recent business success stories is Fred Luddy, who founded ServiceNow two weeks before his 50th birthday. He said this before, I couldn't wait because there was something psychological that said I couldn't start a company at 50. For a world obsessed with age and innovation, great ideas seem to fittingly win out. I prefer to think about it in this way. Today is the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you'll ever be. So seize your day. Toil, persist, and spend yourself on something worthwhile. You're never too old, or in this case, too young to pursue your ideas. My name is Gabby, and those were my notes on innovation. This has been Of Note, a podcast that gets up close and personal with innovative people so we can learn from their successes and failures. I'm Joseph Nuther. I'm Laura Quarter. And this is an original production by the South Carolina Office of Innovation and Design Sensory. Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering with original music by Matt Honkinen. Check out more interviews, our blog, and resource area at scribblesc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready, Set, Scribble. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, keep pursuing your transformational ideas. Next time on Of Note. I always chuckle when I read trade articles or magazine features. It's always this positive story about somebody that got it right. Well, 96% of us never get it right. <laughs> 96% of startups fail. Try sitting in front of a board or investors that have given you $25 million and tell them you're going to fail a bunch of times. No, it's not an easy conversation. In fact, it's awkward at times.